Hey, it's Kathy. I'm just hopping in real quick to tell you that the doors are closing to the Abundance Method program today. That's right. May 16th, four o'clock Pacific time, we close the doors to this program. And I'm so excited to watch you change your life. I'm so excited to see what happens when you tap into the energy that is within you and you start to attract so much into your life and there's incredible synchronicity and you start to perceive what was always here in plain sight and that which was hidden becomes revealed. If you want to join us, you can go to kathyheller.com slash join. And remember, those of you who sign up for the Platinum, you get the retreat included. It's going to be an incredible retreat. It's a three-day experience. You can choose between July or October and the July is definitely filling up. So come on in and join us. Again, the doors close at four o'clock Pacific today. You can sign up at kathyheller.com slash join. I cannot wait to spend 12 weeks with you and watch you become a master at manifesting the most gorgeous experiences and opportunities and abundance into your life. No obstacle is insurmountable. It's just, okay, you see this thing coming in front of you. How do you break through it? If you're a person who's looking to have more purpose in your life, if you're saying to yourself, I don't want to just go to work, I want to do my life's work, this is the show. This is the show, don't keep your day job. How do you figure out how to take your passion and turn it into a profit? Life is too short not to wake up every day excited. You've got something that you've got to share with the world. I'm positive. That's why you're here. The show will not just give you inspiration, but some real life tools that you can start to take some real action week after week so that you can not just go to work and build someone else's dream. You can do the thing that you've always truly wanted to do. Make yourself the happiest version of you. My name is Kathy Heller. I'm so happy that you're here. 2018, this is going to be your year. Thanks to Rothy's for supporting Don't Keep Your Day Job. I love my Rothy's and I know you will too. Right now, Rothy's has an amazing deal for my listeners. Free shipping and free returns and exchanges on your Rothy's shoes. And trust me, you will not return them. Go to rothys.com and enter code DREAMJOB to get your cute shoes and free shipping. It's a no-brainer. Shoes that are comfortable and stylish and sustainable and free shipping. rothys.com, promo code DREAMJOB. Get this deal while it lasts. Support for Don't Keep Your Day Job also comes from Grammarly. For those who don't know yet, Grammarly is the communication tool that can help improve your writing for different occasions. It's a great way to double check your important papers, documents, and even avoid future typos. 85% of premium users identified themselves as stronger writers. Get 20% off Grammarly Premium today at Grammarly.com com slash dream job. Thanks to Talkspace for supporting Don't Keep Your Day Job. Talkspace is the online therapy company that lets you message a licensed therapist from anywhere at any time to match with a perfect therapist for a fraction of the price of traditional therapy. You can go to Talkspace.com slash dream job and use the code dream job to get $45 off your first month. Hey, this is Kathy Heller. Welcome back to another episode of Don't Keep Your Day Job. I am super excited about today's episode, and I'm going to tell you in one second who is on the show. You're going to love her, and you're going to love her story because it's so delicious. Um, before we do that, I just wanted to let you know I'm doing this live event, and it's in a few weeks. It's October 4th and 5th in Los Angeles. It's two days filled with inspiration. It's going to be keynote speakers, master classes. You're going to see panel discussions. Plus, we're going to have time for you guys to get up and share what you're working on and give you some direct feedback. I'll be there. Matthew Del Negro from Scandal will be there. He's been on this podcast. He has his own podcast called 10,000 Knows. Melissa Camilleri will be there. She was here last week. She started an incredible business. She was a teacher who started her side hustle, helping people to feel seen, making gifts and things that said, you are enough, you're amazing. And now she has this incredible multi-six-figure business making these gifts and bracelets and candles. 
She will be there. We have an incredible lineup. My friend Wayne Fetterman will be there. He's a stand-up comedian, comedy writer. He toured recently with Judd Apatow. He was on Curb Your Enthusiasm. He was the head writer for the Jimmy Fallon show. And he'll tell you all about how he turned his love of comedy into a full-time career. He has not had a job job in years and years and years. He was also a guest on the show. And we have a few other special guests that we will announce soon. It's going to be two full days that are going to make you feel on top of the world, give you strategies and insights. I guarantee you will leave there ready to rip it open, feeling so motivated, inspired, and feeling like you have some real tangible ideas of what to do next. And most importantly, I think it's just going to be a game changer for you in terms of your mindset and really showing you what's possible. Remember, we just keep saying it. How much you can see, how much you believe is possible completely determines the amount of action you're going to take. So I'm doing a giveaway right now on my Instagram. If you go to kathy.heller, you'll see there's a picture of balloons I posted yesterday and it'll give you the details. I'm going to choose 10 people that's right, 10 of you to win free tickets to this live two-day event. It's an incredible value. You're going to have two days filled with inspiration, meeting amazing people, not just from the speakers, but also the people who will be at this event. You'll make lifetime friends. So normally that event is $499. I'll be giving away 10 free tickets. And if you want to come and buy a ticket, you can go to don'tkeepyourdata.com slash workshop and you can get 30% off if you use the code dreamjob30. That code is still good for another few days. You can also find the link in the show notes on iTunes to get tickets for the workshop. But go ahead and try your hand at the raffle and see if you'll be one of the people to win one of the 10 free tickets. I cannot wait to see you guys there October 4th and 5th. It is going to be so fun. Also, we added a second episode. You guys now, some of you have heard, we're doing a show now every Thursday. And this show is all about you guys. So I'll be sharing your wins and success stories from our listeners and your peers. So you can see what they've been doing and what action they've been taking to make their dreams come to life. And I'd love to be sharing your story. So please email us, post it in the Don't Keep Your Day Job Facebook group, come on over and let us know what's your story, what have you been working on, and if you have any challenges or struggles, which we all do, we all get overwhelmed sometimes. We all feel like we hit that wall sometimes. I'm here to help to support you and give you some ideas of how to get past those hurdles. So you can email me with any questions questions. And remember, I check every single one of my DMs on Instagram. So you can come on over to kathy.heller and you can let us know what's been going on with you, your wins, your struggles. And I'll be here every Thursday for the second episode every week to just give you guys some feedback and support and celebrate you and the incredible strides that you're making. Okay, let's dive into today's guest. She is such a delight. Her name is Rosie O'Neill. She's the co-founder and co-CEO of Sugarfina. Have you guys ever gone to Sugarfina? It's an amazing, amazing place. They have 50 stores all over the country and they just opened one in Hong Kong. It's a luxury candy boutique featuring a collection of high quality artisan candies made by small batch candy makers from all over the world and packaged with love. Guys, we're not just talking about any candy here. We're talking about gummy bears that are made with a hint of champagne and chocolates infused with vodka and birthday cake caramels. Just tons of flavors like that. Basically going to throw a party for your taste buds. And guess what? We actually got to go to their headquarters and check out their beautiful offices. Plus, they have their own candy store basically in their workplace. It was honestly like going directly to Willy Wonka's factory. So much fun. And it's unbelievable to think that Rosie and her co-founder, Josh, who's also her fiance, just started this in 2012. And to see this whole empire and this huge team they built, and now with 50 locations, it really goes to show that when you just go for it and you keep marching forward, there's really unlimited possibility for what you can achieve. Rosie's been added to Fast Company's 100 Most Creative People list and Goldman Sachs' 100 Most Intriguing Entrepreneurs 
entrepreneurs. She's so smart, very sweet. She's so eloquent and she's gorgeous. And she's also very, very humble. I can truly say it was an absolute treat to speak with her. And I cannot wait to share this with you. Okay, before we dive in, I just want to say thanks to one of our sponsors. Are you ready to try on the most comfortable flats you've ever worn that you can wear all day, every day? Seriously, you're never going to want to take them off. So I love these Rothy shoes. I recently got the Lemon Drop flats. They are adorable. And everywhere I go, people are like, oh my gosh, I love your shoes. Where did you get them? And I'm like, not only are they cool, but they're made from recycled plastic water bottles. So Rothy's is literally the everyday flat for life on the go. It's stylish, it's classic, comfortable, and it comes in three fashionable styles, the flat, the point, and the loafer. You have to check these shoes out, you guys. And then you're going to want to tell every woman you know, it's going to blow your mind that they're made from recycled plastic water bottles because they're the softest shoes you're going to put on your feet and you can feel stylish and feel good about wearing them. I love my Rothy's and I know you will too. Right now, Rothy's has an amazing deal for my listeners. You get free shipping and free returns and exchanges on your Rothy's shoe. And trust me, you will not return them. Go to rothys.com, R-O-T-H-Y-S.com and enter code DREAMJOB to get your cute shoes and free shipping. It's a no-brainer. They're shoes that are comfortable, stylish, and sustainable and free shipping. Go get yourself a pair today. Rothy's.com, promo code DREAMJOB. Get this deal while it lasts. So now, please welcome the fabulous Rosie O'Neill. Rosie, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited for this. Thank you again for having me. I'm so excited. Um, Just walking through your offices, I'm even more sort of enchanted by everything that you've built. I love Sugarfina. I've obviously been there many times, spent lots of money there, enjoyed so much of what you've created. So extraordinary. So I want to move back to the beginning, though. I want you to tell us a little bit about your story and then how you came to be doing this. Yeah, so I definitely had a non-traditional path to becoming an entrepreneur. I uh, started in the corporate world. I was on the agency side working kind of marketing and branding and PR. Then I went back to business school. Um, And then from there, I started working at Mattel. I was the director of marketing for Barbie, um, which is right across the street. (laughs) Yeah. And I was there for about seven years. Totally loved it. And, you know, it was one of those things where starting my own company was something that was always like a one day I'll do that. And it was like one day in my 50s or my 60s or whatever. And to me, it was like my retirement idea was that I would start a business. Um, and I, then I, I just sort of got to thinking of like, why? If I'm so excited about that idea, why push it off to one day? Why not start and have today be day one, you yeah. know? What a, what a concept. <laughs> exactly. So I met Josh, who's actually my co-founder and now my fiance. And, you know, we had this kind of whirlwind romance where I just knew right away he was the one. We really, like, just connected really quickly. It's an and amazing s- feeling when yeah. you feel like, like you're home. Like, you, uh, totally. you just know. It's like a soul connection. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was super awesome. Um, and so the origin of Sugarfina is really wrapped up in our love story. And he took me to see Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, the original oh. one from the 70s. Um, he on took our... you back to the 1970s. Yeah, we got in a time machine and like flew. <laughs> no. Um, so we actually went and saw it at this outdoor screening um, in LA. Really so fun. cool venue. And that was our third date. And we just sort of had this light bulb moment after seeing the movie where it was just, we kind of almost simultaneously asked us each other this question what happened to candy? Why isn't candy magical anymore? Like it was so magical when we were kids watching this movie. Why don't we feel that way about candy as adults? Why did it go away? Like you go into a candy store and it's, um, you know, you're shoveling from a bin into a plastic bag. It's all like gummy worms and it's made as cheaply as possible with not really great ingredients. Like, where's the candy store for grownups? And that was really kind of the nugget of the idea that we 
you know, kind of went from there and started the company. Amazing. And that was your third date. That was our third date. Now, we didn't start the company right away because I think that might be like too much pressure on a new relationship, <laughs> right? Um, but it was like this back burner kind of hobby idea project that we would talk about on our dates. And it was just like a really fun collaborative thing that we we love to to work on and dream about. It's amazing. And at this point, you're still at Mattel. And you've yeah. been there at that point, you were there a few I was years. coming up on like seven years. Okay. So yeah. it was coming up towards yeah, the yeah, end. Yeah. And you kept talking about this. And yeah. now people listening, they have ideas like this all the time, but then they have this sort of self-doubt that comes in and would say something like, but there's a reason that there's no yeah. candy stores because people are wanting to be more health conscious yeah. or because no one wants to spend more money on candy. How did you push past those thoughts? Well, I, when we started, I actually thought, even though we were kind of, we took this point in time where we quit our jobs when we officially decided to work on it full time. In my head, I was like, we're going to give this six months. And if it works, awesome. If it doesn't work, I have a lot of skills. I can go back and, you know, do the job I was doing before. So like one of my biggest regrets is I didn't go study abroad when I was in college. And I like said, oh, well, you know, I made so many excuses for not doing it. And I will always wish that I had done that. So I didn't want to like 10 years from now say mm -hmm. I could have gone and done this thing. And I didn't. I talked myself out of it. So I just got to a point where I was like, you know what, like, I'm going to save up enough money that I can live on no salary for six months and I'll be fine. Like, yeah, it might set me back, like, but whatever, you know, you, I have a long life ahead of me. Okay, so that's fascinating. So I want to take a microscope to that decision for a second, because I'm sure there was some fear of I'm leaving my job, but it sounds like what pushed you through that was I don't want to have a regret. Yeah, it but was much people more around that. you say, Rosie, you're leaving a huge job at Mattel. Barbie, it's a thing. People yeah. heard of you have a good job. <laughs> Don't just quit your job. Yeah. Well, look, I had an amazing job. I had, you know, gone really far in my career. I was super happy. And that was the thing. I was really happy. It wasn't like I need to go do something because I hate my job and whatever. Like I had a, I had a really good thing going. But it was more this kind of nagging feeling of if I don't do it now and I wait and I keep waiting, like what's the point? Like maybe I discover this is actually something I really love. And that becomes chapter two of my life. I don't want to like postpone what could potentially become chapter and, two. And did you have this yearning? Like, I want to do my thing. I want to do, I want to be working towards what I'm building. Did you feel like that? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, it wasn't like, oh gosh, you know, I don't have any control and I need to go do something that is totally my idea. And I wasn't really starting out doing it to build it into a big business or to make money. It was more just... I want to see if I can do this. And I want to see if this is something that can actually work. And That's take cool, off. too. And worst like you case have scenario, the pressure on it. Yeah, worst case scenario, it's a side hustle. You know, like there's it's a pretty good side hustle to sell candy. You know, that's like a fun thing. Like, I can't yeah. complain, you know. Yeah. So. so other than seeing this movie on this magical date, what is it about candy? Had you always had this thing for candy? Was candy something that was always just really special to you? Yeah, well, I have always had a huge sweet tooth. I love candy. I love ice cream. Those are like my two things. And I grew up in a house where my mom always um, hid candy from us or made it very restricted, which for me had the complete opposite effect of I was like, I need to get my hands on candy of all the time. Course. Every time, stuff it in my bag. I have so like a stash funny. all the time. So like the scarcity model did not work for me. 
sweet. No. Now it's funny. Like I'm surrounded by candy all the time. I still eat candy every day, but I don't have the mindset I did when I was a kid yeah. where I was like, I have to scarf it down. Now it's just like, I have a little treat here and there. Yeah, well, anyone who looks at you knows that you're not <laughs> eating too much candy. <laughs> you have to have, a, have, like to have a, a balance, right? Of you know, course. it's like that life is all about working hard, but then treating yourself. You can't just like, you know, yeah. people who live in the world of working out constantly, looking perfect on Instagram, eating the perfect diet. It's just... What fun is that? That's not a fun life. I don't want that life. Right. It's exhausting. (laughs) Totally. Um, So let's go back to that point when you left and now you're saying, okay, I'm going to give it six months. Let's see if I can do this. What did you do? What were you working on and what were the things that you did work on that people might take away and go, oh, those are the important things to be working on? Yeah. So even though Josh and I had both gone to business school, we did not do this like the traditional way where you write a business plan and you Uh have a mission statement and you have a market entry strategy. Nothing like that. That's good to hear for listeners who are like, I don't know the first thing about writing that. That sounds so scary. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like, that's why I always say, like, business school is great and I'm actually really glad I did it. But I think that Sugarfina would have still come together in the same way without it. And Mm -hmm. that's why I really think if you're, you know, kind of have that entrepreneurial heart to you and you have an idea that you love – you don't have to talk yourself out of it because you don't have business skills. You know, you can you can learn those things. You okay. can bring Good people on your team who have those skills. So, so we what were the first things? Yeah, so we started very scrappy. So it was just me and Josh um, in the beginning, and, and we did everything. We kind of split very cleanly between he was back of house, I was front of house. So he was doing um, logistics, finance, planning, that side of stuff. I was doing product development, creative marketing, um, and then uh, the website because we launched online. We were just online for about a year and a half. Yeah. So, I mean, oh my gosh, crazy hours, like for a solid five, six weeks, it was like 90 to 100 hours a week. I was photographing all the candies, like trying to figure out how to design and build a website because I had never done that before and I didn't have any money, so I had to do it really cheap. Um, You know, designing our packaging, coming up with, you know, branding, logos, that kind of stuff. It was a lot of work, but what I always said to Josh was, this feels like we're working on an art project at camp. Like, that's the feeling I'm oh, having. That is the best quote. Yeah, and that's, like, that. that's how I knew it was a really good fit. And, you know, there's the whole thing of, like, find what you love and it doesn't feel like work. Like, yes, you hear that. But it's very different to be working on something where, actually, like, it does feel like work. There's a lot to do. It's hard. But it's almost like you're playing in a certain way totally. rather than, like, drudging through your daily task list. So dreamy and delicious to hear you say that. And that's, I think, what everybody yearns for. And I want that for everybody. And I believe that that's within reach for everybody. I really do. So tell us more for somebody who wants to start some sort of like a product business. Yeah. What are some of those things that you were doing? Yeah. So um, before we officially quit our jobs and started the business, those two years in between, that was kind of when we were like marinating on the idea and figuring out what it was going to be. That two-year time period was when we actually started searching, discovering, creating, Creating and collecting candies. So our process, yeah, it was very, it's <laughs> not a bad job. Um, from the beginning, we knew that we didn't want to be a candy manufacturer. Instead, we wanted to be more of a curator and a creator without actually doing the the production side of things. There's so many amazing candy makers out there, particularly in Europe, who've been doing it for hundreds of years. And, you know, we didn't really have any money to set up a candy factory. (laughs) So what we did was um, we started traveling uh, mostly in Europe and meeting with these really amazing high quality artisan candy makers in everywhere from 
you know, France, Greece, Germany, Italy, Finland, Sweden, um, even one in Japan. Really cool. These are people who've been doing this, you know, family owned, hundreds of year old companies. And they're really masters. Like the quality that you get. Oh, you can taste it. It is so vastly different from things that are, you know, mass produced and pumped out on a a machine. Um, So, you know, you'll have our chocolates. They're made in 40 pound batches in a kettle. And a guy is like spinning the kettle as the candy, you know, comes together. So, so beautiful. Yeah, it's cool. So I love this idea. So you would go to Europe and you would meet with these makers and you would say, I mean, at that point you weren't Rosie, the owner of Sugarfina. We so were you tiny. Were... People were like, what? What are you doing? So what were you saying to them? <laughs> hey, we'd love to like work with you wholesale. We'd love to yeah. start a relationship with you. I mean, here's the thing. At the time, there was nothing in North America like Sugarfina. Like no luxury high-end candy boutique existed. There was a lot of amazing chocolate, yeah. but no one was doing things like gummy bears made with Dom Perignon champagne, yeah. you know, or things like, you know, chocolates with real scotch in the center. So first we had to kind of share our vision with them because they were used to, you know, Americans coming over and being like, what's the best price you can give me on your candy? And like, they don't, they don't even need to sell to them. Like they're totally fine just selling within their one country. We had to actually like convince them to sell to us because, um, you know, it was going to be a little bit of work to get that all set up. So we kind of put together the vision, you know, the plan, what 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 we wanted to do. We went over and met with them personally, which I think made a big difference because, you know, they could see how passionate we were, how much we cared about quality, how excited we were about their products, and how we basically wanted to just display and present them beautifully and introduce yeah. them to new people. So in the beginning, you know, we would like agonize over making a purchase of 40 pounds of any one candy because we're like, oh, my God. That's like 160 cubes. How are we going to sell 160 cubes? And now we're buying candy like three 40-foot container loads at a time. I mean, just the difference between where we are then and where we are now is vast. Oh, my God. When you think of three 40-foot containers of gummy bears, you realize how many that is. Yeah, I mean, that's like tens of thousands of pounds. It's crazy. So what's been really cool is as we have grown and as we've maintained and built these relationships with our partners, you know, they're so excited. They're so bought into the vision of what we're creating. They love, like, coming up with new ideas with us. And so now we're kind of more – Less in the curation and more in the we get to be Willy Wonka. We get to come up with ideas and shapes and flavors. Yeah. And then they will help us bring it to life. Yeah, that's amazing. Okay. Before we keep going, let's take a moment to thank one of our sponsors. Support for Don't Keep Your Day Job comes from Grammarly. For those who don't know yet, Grammarly is the communication tool that can help improve your writing for different occasions. Grammar has never been my forte. And you can ask my husband because he always points it out. He's like, Kath, what are you doing? Um, I write so many emails every day. I'm also working on a book. And it's really overwhelming before I go ahead and send something to someone. I'm like, is this right? Like, do I sound like I'm in second grade or do I sound like I actually know what I'm doing? With Grammarly, I can write my messy version and I don't need to get held up on having the perfect spelling or punctuation because I know I can go back and see where Grammarly has marked all my mistakes and then I can go, oh, I need to change that comma or the sentence doesn't even make sense. It's super helpful. It's a great way to double check your important papers and documents and even avoid future typos. They have a free version, so go ahead and try it out. It's available across platforms, including online, desktop, and mobile. The Grammarly premium version allows users to personalize their experience 
experience by setting to write for different occasions such as school, work, or creative, and have Grammarly remember new words. In addition to spelling and grammar, Grammarly Premium helps with advanced punctuation, structure, style within context, vocabulary suggestions, conciseness, and readability for different occasions. 85% of those surveyed premium users identified themselves as stronger writers, and 76% now find writing more enjoyable. Go to Grammarly.com slash DreamJob, and you can get 20% off Grammarly Premium today. That's Grammarly.com slash DreamJob. So one of the big questions here, how did you know there was going to be a market? How did you know there'd be a customer? Were you doing focus groups? Did you have friends come over? Were you having people, you know, were you running this idea by anybody and seeing that this is something that was was able to be sustainable? Well, I would love to say yes, that would be the right answer, but no, um, we Wait were just- did it. <laughs> we winged it and, and we were designing it for ourselves. And we said, look, okay, if, if this is something we would get really excited about and we would buy, there's probably like some sort of a market of people who would also feel the same way, but we truly believed that it was tiny. And we're like, that's fine. We're going to be a niche business. It's going to be very small, um, but we love doing this so much and we're going to have fun with it. And so in your mind, what is that a niche business? Was that just a website? Was that like one store? Yeah, like maybe like a website and one store. Nothing Got you it. Know, like where we are today. The thing that was really hard was because no one had done what Sugarfina has done before, people just didn't get it. Like I remember when we sat down and tried to tell our parents why we were quoting our jobs and they're like, what? You're going to open a candy store? Like they in their minds were thinking like the old timey barrels of penny candy and taffy. Like that's what they thought we were doing. And we would try to like explain or show them what was sort of in our heads. And we're like, look, it just let us launch it. You'll understand. (laughs) So what happens when did you know you were onto something? What happened? You opened your first store and was there just like a massive sort of response? Yeah. uh, When we launched online, you know, the first few weeks were just pure friends and family. So obviously we like sent out an email to our whole network, please support us. Please buy buy a thousand dollars of candy. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, for the first few weeks, it's like every single order, we could trace it back. We knew exactly who it was. Oh, that's your sister. That's my mom. That's whoever. That's your mom's friend. And it was when like about a month in, we started getting quite a few orders from people. We just had no idea who they were. So like we would Google everybody. And from there, relatively quickly, there started to be this kind of multiplying viral effect of people would buy it they would give it as a gift to someone that's how that person would discover the brand they would come back they would buy some for themselves they would buy a gift for someone else and it just kept you know building and this is still online at this point yeah we were online only for a year and a half and you know even a situation like someone would call and say hey i just got this gift and discovered your company i want to do my wedding with you guys and and i want to buy like 300 cubes and so um those sorts of stories just kept kind of multiplying so we were we were really fortunate that word of mouth like we had no money we didn't spend anything on marketing until the end of last year so you know we went from like nothing to we did about 40 million last year zero marketing spend it was just crazy you know those numbers Um, don't even make sense it's like crazy (laughs) and then when did you open that first store um in november of 2013 was that beverly hills Beverly Hills. yeah Yeah. i remember when that went i was like what is that yeah yeah and how many stores do you guys have right now um so we're up to about 50 Wow. And are you all over North America? Or are you also in, in other continents? Yeah, we're in North America, primarily in big cities. So like we have seven stores in SoCal, six stores in New York City, and then, you know, like a sprinkling all around Dallas, Austin, Chicago, Miami, Atlanta. Uh, we just opened our first overseas store in Hong Kong. 
in July, which is really exciting. That was kind of like one of those surreal moments where you're so crazy and in the mindset, but then you have to just stop for a second and be like, holy crap, we just opened in Hong Kong. <laughs> like, wow. And it's doing really well. Um, we're excited to kind of continue expanding in Asia. Amazing. So when that first store opened in Beverly Hills, what was the response like? What was happening? It was great. We were, it, this wasn't necessarily an intentional decision, but it took us so long to find the right space and to convince a landlord to take a chance on us that we opened right in the middle of the holidays. So it was like prime time, any news coverage we got, people were like, oh, I need to go get Christmas gifts. I'm going to go to Sugarfina. So it really was the right timing. Uh, the response was phenomenal. It like totally blew us away. And, you know, the Beverly Hills community was amazing. Like it is a really tight knit, very warm and welcoming community, especially to small businesses in the area. And we just got so many, so much support from local residents of like, coming in and shopping regularly, but then like telling everyone they knew. And so it was, um, it was really, really good first store. Experience. Were you there at that first store? Oh yeah, store? of course. We worked in the store. I remember like right before we That's opened. It's so hard to believe you're standing there now. <laughs> oh yeah. Like I'm ringing up sales and like cleaning the counters. Yeah, no, but I mean, that's the ethos of the company. Josh and I, from day one, it was just us. Like we had to do everything, whether it was, you know, I ran customer service to, you know, he would like drive the boxes to FedEx to drop them off. Um, so every job in the company, one of us has had, but it was a whirlwind of a time, crazy time but really fun at the core. And when did you decide to open that second store? Really fast, actually. So we opened our second store um, by March. So really quick. And then, and so how many, it's only five years you've opened yeah. 40 nine stores? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's like different years have a sort of different pace. So, you know, the first year, I think we opened three, we had, you know, our probably our busiest year, I think we did like 14 or 15 in one year. Um, this year, I think was 10, I believe. Amazing. So clearly, you were on to something. And it's an incredible story. It's such like a magic. It's a movie in and of itself. <laughs> you should make your own movie. Seriously. <laughs> What do you feel like aspiring entrepreneurs can learn from what you learned about what makes this successful? Well, a couple things. I think one, the world is very crowded and so many things are competing for people's attention all the time. If you're going to come in and start a new business, you have to be radically different. You can't just come in and be like, I'm going to do this a little bit better or a little bit different because it'll be really hard to get people to pay attention to you. You think of candy stores, everybody knows what candy is. I don't have to do any education about the category. But what I'm doing is coming out with a company that is unlike anything you've ever seen in candy before. So like you get that it's candy, but then you're like, oh my God, it's so different. I think that's kind of the magic formula. It's it's exactly what Warby Parker did with glasses, mm -hmm. what Casper did with mattresses. But but I feel like that's like how you really break through nowadays. So that's one thing. Um but you can have a great idea, and if you don't have the ability to execute, it's not going to go anywhere. Um, a lot of times I'll talk to you know people who are aspiring entrepreneurs, and they're like, well, I'm just waiting for my great idea. I'm like, really? It's not about like the awesome idea is going to land on you. You kind of have to go figure out and carve out a space and sort of create the idea of what you want to do. And then really it's about can you get it done? Josh and I were really fortunate to 
have a very complementary set of skills. So, you know, we got along really well. We worked well together, but we also did totally different things. And that really, really worked for us. Um, Where we didn't know how to do something, we just phoned a friend. (laughs) Like we phoned a friend probably 10 times a day. Like, hey, can you help me figure out how to do this and this and this? And that just goes back to it's so important to build your personal network. And I don't mean like networking, like quote unquote. It's more of just be a nice person, stay in touch with people, help other people when when they need help. And then when your time comes around, they're going to be a lot more likely to help you. Yeah. I feel like um, one of the biggest hurdles that we hear from listeners is this feeling of imposter syndrome, mm-hmm. this feeling of um, the space is really crowded. Why should I bother? What advice do you have for people who feel that much self-doubt? Yeah. Well, I feel like imposter syndrome every day, every single day since I started the company. It's really generous that you share that. Uh, no, like I, I look think at, it's really helpful. well, I look at entrepreneurs who are far ahead of me and I'm so intimidated and I'm like, oh my God, they have this all figured out. And I feel like such a, you know, I feel like I'm faking it and someone's going to find out at some point. But then at some point I meet them and I talk to them and they're like, yeah, I feel the same way. Like, I, I don't know what I'm doing. And, you know, particularly for me, because, you know, I really do run the creative side of the business. I have no creative training. So when we started, it was like, okay, well, I'm going to have to figure out how to do all the photography, all the packaging, design, the website design, copywriting. Oh I had God. never done any of those things. And like I could have talked myself out of it and gone to try to hire someone or or just not even started. And I was like, look, this is a personal challenge. I'm just going to dive in and dig in and I'm going to figure it out. Uh, that is what makes an entrepreneur. Yeah. No entrepreneur knows how to do all the things that you need to do to run That's a business right. because that would be impossible. Instead, yeah. they have these common qualities of they have, you know, grit and scrappiness and this desire to just no obstacle is insurmountable. It's just, okay, you see this thing coming in front of you. How do you break through it? Yep. Oh God, that's everything you said. That's a Ted talk right there. Um, (laughs) It's true. So when those things do happen, because another thing that we hear from people is like, you know, I had the initiative, I had the gumption and then I had a rejection or I hit a wall. I mean, I can imagine running a business with so many employees and so many moving parts. There's probably days where you also get frustrated or things oh, sure. don't go smoothly. How do you push through those moments? And what are some of the strategies you feel like are helpful? I think one of the really hard things for, for entrepreneurs, and, and there's this, you know, the saying of like, it's it's lonely at the top. And I don't mean like lonely at the top, like I'm so far up here, but more just like when when it is, you know, it's your company, there's a level of stress and things going on that you just cannot share with your team. Because, you know, in many ways you have to, like, I'm all about transparency and openness and and keeping people in the loop on things that are going on. But there's certain things where you're just like, I don't want to like instill fear in the hearts of my whole team when we're going through like pretty major challenges. Things like, oh my God, we're going to run out of money. Like, I can't tell my team that, you know, (laughs) it's like, we got to make people, you know, feel good and happy and secure. So there's a lot of times where it's just I'm I'm having these like private struggles. And I feel so lucky I have Josh as a co-founder because we can have those conversations together. And, you know, things that um, just that we go through that like really suck, we're able to to talk to each other. And so, uh, you know, for entrepreneurs, you know, who go out on their own, I always recommend like, 
have a person who is like your personal board of directors. They're your sounding board. They're someone who will just be there when you need to vent. And ideally, they've been through some of the same things because that feeling of, you know, commiseration is so, so, so helpful when you go through those times. So helpful. When you were about to leave, you said that you had already been spending a couple years like really doing some research. Mm -hmm curating some things, making some relationships. So what are some of those categories? What are some of those things that you feel like people could be doing right now while they have their day job before they have the savings in the bank and they can quit? What are some of the things that they might start to do and think about before they begin their business? The interesting thing about kind of starting to work on it while you still have your current job or or while you're about to kind of think about like a, a, a placeholder role is all of a sudden you have a different channel on in your brain and you're looking at the world and saying, what can I learn here that I can apply to my future business? And so for me, that was really helpful because working at Mattel, I mean, I had access to people who literally knew how to do everything in terms of product development. And so it was great because it like, I I started paying a lot more attention and I was like, okay, I'm not just going to like sit in a meeting and like get your update and whatever. Like, I really want to know, like, how did you do this? And I think the funny thing is people were like, why are you so curious about my job? (laughs) What's going on? Planning. Why do you care what planning does? But it, it was great for me because I just like, I was a sponge and I had a couple years where I just was absorbing and absorbing and absorbing all these things. And then when I did start, I felt enough confidence that, okay, I've, t- I've talked to enough people. I have these lifelines if I need to call somebody. And uh, that was helpful. So I would say I actually – I think working in the corporate world is great because you can, you can learn entrepreneurial skills anywhere. You just have to be of the mindset that you're seeking that out. So now that you're fully in it, what have you learned now that you might not have known then or like, oh, here are some of the most important places to put your focus Mm -hmm. when you're running business? Like, what are some of the things that you think now where you're sitting? These are the things that actually were more important than I even knew. Yeah. We were really bad at saying no. And in the early days, you know, when we were starting to build this momentum and there was kind of this great trend factor people were coming out of the woodwork left and right with opportunities that like it would sound crazy to turn the opportunity down and it's like things would come at us 10 at a time and we would look at them individually and we're like well yeah like we have to do that like how could we pass that up i mean stuff like oh you know um i'm a franchise operator and i want to take your brand to london or you know like big national chain wants to sell our product but how in the heck are we going to fulfill that order? We don't have enough money to fulfill that order. We don't have the bandwidth or the team to fulfill that right. order. So what ended up happening was we got in a lot of situations where we just, we said yes, and we're like, well, I guess we'll figure it out. <laughs> and at a certain point, we had said yes to so many things that we were really not doing those things well. Mm-hmm. And if I could go back and, and do anything differently, it would be, focus and try to only do two or three big things at a time to make sure that you do them successfully. Because if you do 10 awesome things, but they didn't go very well, well, that's not a good long-term strategy. Yeah. As far as like marketing goes and branding goes, everyone always talks about how that is like definitely one of the biggest engines to the entire thing. What element do you think is most important in that whole piece? Well, it's not one thing. And I think that's the thing that makes it so difficult is it's the sum of a million things. Um, 
for us, like we go down to the details of the packaging and how it touches every sense. Like how does it feel in your hand? Wow. How does it sound when you open it? The candy, the taste, obviously the taste is a big thing. Um, the scent of the candy is so important. You know, the way the shopping bag handles feel in your hand. We don't kind of look at things from a sort of black and white tactical perspective. We're always going for emotion. Mm-hmm. And even something as simple as a shipping box how does it make you feel? That's like the thing I always ask the team is like when I'm reviewing creative or I'm like, okay, what is this supposed to make me feel? Because I'm not feeling anything when I look at it. How do you get this more emotive and get more of like that reaction? Fascinating. So when Seth Godin was on the podcast, he said that the, the single ingredient that's most important in anything that's successful is radical empathy. And you were just talking so much about how do people feel? How do they feel when they hear it, when they touch it, when they see it? How do they feel? At what point did you start really factoring in, like, who is buying this? Where are they coming from? How old are they? What flavors do they like? When did that all start to become sort of center stage? And how did you gather that data? Yeah, we were seeing it online. Like, we could get, you know, relatively good demographic data from from Google Analytics. And what we found was basically we were creating a new market. The people who were shopping with us were not shopping at the kid candy stores. Um, They were people who were maybe buying a bottle of wine or champagne, Uh buying beautiful flowers. Now they have this other pretty gift option. Uh, And I think social media really brought it home because once we got on Instagram in a big way, all of a sudden we're like, wow, our demographic is like young, very fashionable women. Like, influencers like us like that's cool you know uh and and we don't have to go out and like pay them to like us like there's something inherent about it that they're responding to and it's it's this emotional reaction and so that was great because then we had a direct line i'm so in love with social media so in love with instagram because i think that the ability to talk to and connect and be creative with your customers is so great i mean it's the best So what are some ways that people can do that? Because they might not know. Yeah. So like um, definitely follow us on Instagram because we always love to do things where we sort of, you know, prompt creativity. We have this campaign called 100 Ways to Bento. It's like hashtag 100 Ways to Bento. And the whole idea is how do you reuse your candy cubes and your candy boxes? And we get like the most creative ideas. Like this one crafter uh, person used them to store rolls of washi tape. And she had this like gorgeous setup Uh. of like hundreds of rolls of washi tape in our cubes and it looks really beautiful other people will like plant little succulent plants inside and I that was so creative and cute so, so that's that's one thing that you're using it for you're mm-hmm. using it to start a dialogue yeah, you're having yeah. a conversation you're asking yeah. questions and to play i mean like it's fun like it's so in some ways i think you know candy and crafting kind of go hand in hand because there's this like small tactile element to it and it's pretty and it's fun to photograph and you can use it for so many things beyond yeah. just eating it by itself yeah So I've got a few more questions, but first, a quick ad break. Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace. It's the online therapy company that lets you message a licensed therapist from anywhere at any time. All you need is a computer with internet connection, or you can use the Talkspace mobile app. That means you can improve your situation, better your mental health, even if you've had trouble making time for it in the past. So you guys know I'm a big fan of taking care of this stuff, and I actually have been in therapy on and off since I'm 15, but sometimes I don't have time to make a full appointment, and I just want to get something off my chest, or I just need help through a moment where I'm feeling really anxious 
stress or overwhelmed. So it's great. I can go to Talkspace and I can send a message to a therapist without having to take that extra commute to the office. And sometimes if you do have a therapist in between sessions, sometimes you want to reach out to someone, but it's not necessarily part of their protocol to have you like reach out to them. You know, there's boundaries, but with Talkspace, that's what they're there for. They want you to message them. So remember that therapy is not just about venting your innermost thoughts or digging into childhood memories. It's also about practical everyday strategies for stress management and living a happier life. Having a therapist simply provides you a designated person for you to talk to who's trained to listen and to help you make some positive changes. The Talkspace platform has over 2,000 licensed therapists who are experienced in addressing life's challenges that we all face. To match with a perfect therapist for a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can go to Talkspace.com slash DreamJob and use the code DreamJob to get $45 off your first month. And you'd also be showing support for this show by supporting our sponsors. That's code dreamjob and talkspace.com slash dreamjob. I feel like a lot of people think that there's just no room for them, that everything's already been done. But now sitting where you are and experiencing all of this success, do you feel like people eventually have to realize that some people's dreams just aren't worth it and they're going to have to work for somebody else's dreams? Or do you feel like there's room there's room for everyone's dreams in every category, but I would also say that if you end up, you know, joining another company, it, it's not that it's not your dream. Like there are shared dreams. It's kind of like love is not a, a win-lose game. Like when you're a parent, you don't have a finite amount of love and then each kid carves up a piece of it. It's like it grows. Yep. And I think the same is true with entrepreneurs. Like most businesses – that people are creating, they're creating them out of love or out of some passion for something. And there are room for other people to fit into that dream and into that that story. Yeah, and so if you're not ready to start a business, go go join someone else who has because like, wow, you're going to be so inspired and learn so much from them. So true. And you're going to feel really fulfilled working on a mission that you connect with and feel yeah, passionate that's about. that's so true. And one of the other things that people will say is, I don't even know what thing to pursue. You know, I love photography. I also love dance and I also love floral design. Well, how do I know which thing to do? Yeah, just start somewhere. I think you learn so much from what you don't like as you do from, totally. from what you do. And I went through so many jobs where I'm like, oh, my God, I hate this. Like I was a celebrity publicist total opposite of my personality. It is. Like, I am not the kind of person who's going to go bang down your door and try to convince you to do something. Mm -hmm. That is just not me. I also worked for, um, you know, a company that was very, very, very corporate and it was so boring and I hated it. But two really great learnings. What my skill sets are, I learned in the celebrity PR job. That's not my skill set. What I like doing, I did not like kind of the boring corporate stuff. So how do I find that perfect combination of what I'm good at and what I love. And you need to learn both sides. Like you have to, sometimes you have to go out in the world and, and work for other people to learn what you're good at. And along the way, you kind of discover what you love. Yeah. I feel like one of the things that I've learned, and I keep seeing it as a through line, all of the successful people that we've had on this show, is that ultimately, whatever you believe, whatever in your subconscious, whatever you hold to be true, this is ultimately going to determine your result. Did you always have that? Or did you sort of have to go in and, and, and look at what your story was and switch it a little bit? Or have you, have you just always had that and noticed that that was always true, that you had that ability to dream big and see what was possible? It's definitely something that is something I consciously focus on doing. The stories you tell yourself are so powerful, and sometimes you don't even realize you're doing it. So someone uh, told me once to just like start writing it down, like a, a thought pops into your head, 
jot it down so you are aware of what stories you're telling about so or telling yourself. So it's like, I don't have the experience to do that, or that's too hard, or I'm not creative enough. When you tell yourself those stories, it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. On the flip side, if you can start, even if it feels fake, I really, really encourage people to do this. Start telling yourself the story of, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to make this work. I'm going to find what I need to get this part of this job done. Josh and I do this to each other a lot. Like we'll go through something really difficult and I can tell he is just like down. And I, I go to him and I like make him look at me in the eyes and I'm like, we're going to figure this out. It's going to be fine. And like, we just keep repeating that to ourselves. And what we find is, you know, I, I'm not like one of those people who's like all into the secret or mysticism or any of these things, but I really do find that when you tell yourself those types of stories, you start to attract the right things to yourself. Yeah. Well, your brain starts to get creative and you start to be resourceful. Yeah. And like, even just sort of like the serendipitous karma side of things, those things for whatever reason, start happening more when you are telling yourself those positive stories. But it's like that trick of like, if you're feeling down, just smile because the act of smiling releases things in your brain that make you start to feel happier. When you're feeling whatever you're feeling um, and you're starting to go down that negative path, flip it. Tell yourself the opposite, the positive story. Keep repeating it and it'll start becoming more natural. And I just think you you start to become like a more powerful person because you believe in yourself. Of course. You start building this yeah. history. Of and then every stuff. action sort of builds that confidence yeah. and reinforces that positive belief. Yeah. So I find that when this is the case, it's stemming from one of two things. Either you had a model that was extremely positive and showed you that, or you had the opposite situation and you were the person in the family who was like, okay, that's clearly not working. So with resistance, you sort of pushed against it. Which one was it for Which you? Which one? That's a really good question. I've never really thought about that. Uh, I grew up in a family that was, you know, pretty limited in terms of financial resources. And so, you know, like six kids, two bedroom house. Six paying- kids. <laughs> yeah, six kids. You know, like working since I was in, you know, 12, baby babysitting, you know, uh, paying my way through college, that sort of thing. And I think what that taught me was I am the person who is in charge of getting to the place where I want to be in my life. It's never going to be handed to me. And in some ways, I'm so grateful for that. Like, I think that I became a, a much stronger and more resilient person because I had to be. And that was when I started to just tell myself the, well, I can totally have a different life but I have to do it and I'm going to do it. And uh, it might not happen overnight, but I'm going to start chipping away at it and taking steps to get there. I'm so happy that you just shared that. And it makes sense why watching Willy Wonka, I mean, he had a more, much more extreme. Yeah, the Charlie experience. But sharing a two-bedroom yeah. house with six kids. Yeah. And I should clarify, it was three bedrooms. My parents had one, two kids shared okay. the rest. It's a little <laughs> Sorry. different. Sorry. <laughs> I just realized as I said that, I meant more like six kids were sharing that two bedrooms. That changes everything. Totally now different. it's clearly you had it all. I still want my mom to hear this and be right, like, like, you're telling see. lies. About you're telling lies. But um, it's really amazing how you watched that movie as a kid. And here you are like years later and you've built something so magical so incredible. And just before we sort of hop off, you're also partnering with Kiva, which mm-hmm. is an amazing organization, and you're helping empower and uplift women like all over the world. Tell us a little bit about that and what, what you've done with them. 
Yeah, I think the concept behind Kiva is so amazing. Basically, for, for people who are listening who don't know, what they do is they provide microloans um, for entrepreneurs in you know, developing countries around the world, cool. primarily women. And the way it works is that they're essentially getting a loan that allows them to have the funding they need to grow their business, and then they pay the loan back. And the repayment rate is like phenomenal. I mean, these are really people who truly are taking this seriously, and it's making such a big difference, not just in their lives and their business, but in their community. You know, these are people who have local businesses that when they do well, they're hiring people from their community it's and the whole, you know, the whole area is growing. And, you know, I'm excited to kind of take it to the next level. I think there's a lot more we can do. You know, we've been more in the kind of percentage of, of profits going back to Kiva, that sort of thing. But I would love to find a way where we, alongside our customers, can have more of um, like a, a direct involvement yeah. with the people. So last question, which Sugarfina candies are your favorites? Oh, it, that's such a hard question. That's like asking me to choose a favorite child. So I've tasted and agonized over every single one. So anything that's in our store, like, has gone through me, like, <laughs> a very deep evaluation process by me. But uh, Peach Bellini has been my favorite for a very, very long time. And it was only recently replaced by um, tequila grapefruit sours, which are made with uh, Casamigos tequila, George Clooney's tequila. And they are so fresh and soft and tart and delicious and like oh my god i dream about them <laughs> i probably have them every day and what's been the fan favorite uh champagne bears are yeah. very popular you know they're made with dom perignon champagne they're light delicious all natural um and really pretty too beautiful where can people find you what's next where should we be looking for you Definitely follow us on Instagram. We love having kind of that personal connection and, and conversation. Um, our website is sugarfina.com. And then on our website, you can see all of our store locations. Um, and hopefully, you know, you're in a city where you can come in and visit a Sugarfina boutique. And do you guys ship nationwide? I imagine yeah, we do. you do. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Yeah. U.S. and Canada. You're so incredible and so eloquent and everything you said was so helpful and so generous thank you so much thank for you. this well this was a real pleasure and, and thank you for the amazing questions i always love like getting deep into these conversations and having time to really you know get into the highs and the lows because i think both are so important um when you're when you're growing a business or thinking about starting one. yeah is there anything you want to say anything that we haven't covered any last thoughts before we sign off well, I'll end with a quote from one of my personal heroes, Willy Wonka, who in um, in the original movie, there's this scene where he says, we are the music makers and we are the dreamers of dreams. And I love that quote. We actually have it on the wall in our office. And this, again, it goes back to the stories you tell yourself. Every single person listening to this right now is a music maker and has the ability to create and do amazing things. You have to believe that and then just go do it. You can start small and grow, you know, over time. But just, you know, know that you are capable of doing that, every single person. Um, and I hope uh, hopefully this inspires you to make it happen. I, I don't think I could love you anymore. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you, guys. This was really fun. Amazing. That was so much fun talking to Rosie. She's so awesome, right? Okay, here are some takeaways. Number one, don't wait. Don't live with the regret of never starting your business. Number two, you don't need a business degree, just an entrepreneurial mindset. Absorb and learn as much as you can during your day job. Number three, it's work, but it's fun. It should feel like doing an art project at camp. Number four, know what makes you radically different in the marketplace, then execute that idea. Number five, 
No obstacle is insurmountable. Dive in, dig in, rise to the challenge. This is what makes you an entrepreneur. Number six, it's important to have a sounding board who can understand your challenges and help steer you through the hard times. Number seven, it is okay to say no. Focus on two to three big things that you can do successfully instead of trying to do 10 things not as well. Number eight, flip the story you've been telling yourself. You'll find incredible power in the positivity. Number nine, take charge of your life. It can be different, but you have to make that change. And number 10, in the words of the famous Willy Wonka, we are the music makers and we are the dreamers of the dreams. Just a reminder, we're going to have another episode this Thursday to share your wins, your questions. So let us know if you've got something special that we should talk about on the show. You can DM me on Instagram at kathy.heller or post it in our Don't Keep Your Day Job Facebook group, or you can email us at hello at don'tkeepyourdayjob.com. Also, I'd love to play some voicemails on the show. How cool would it be to hear your voice and we can actually like respond directly? So you can call in at 323-736-1826 and go ahead and leave us a voicemail. Something else I want to do with your wins is include them in my book. I'm writing my book and it's due in a few weeks. So if you want to, I would love to share your story in this book that's going to be published. People can go into Barnes & Noble or Amazon or wherever they buy books, pick this up and they can see your name and hear about your story. I would love to include it. So send us an email with your story and how this podcast has helped you make progress towards your dreams. We're going to try to include as many as we can. It would be my pleasure to give you a shout out in the book. So go ahead. You can email us those stories at hello at don'tkeepyourdigital.com. Also, if you're thinking about coming to the workshop, we're going to be looking for a few of you to stand up and be brave and share with us what it is that you're working on and tell us the steps you've been taking since listening to the podcast and what results you've seen from doing this. It'll be an incredible opportunity to get some feedback from me personally and from those other guests that are there. So it'll be super fun. So go ahead and email us your story with the subject line, win for the workshop. And if you still want to join us at the LA workshop, October 4th and 5th, there's still tickets left. You can go to don'tkeepyourdayjob.com slash workshop. And the link is also in the show notes, or you can try your hand at winning one of the 10 free tickets by going to Instagram and looking at that big balloon post I posted yesterday. Follow the details there and I'll be choosing 10 of you to win free tickets and I'll be choosing those people this Wednesday. Okay, guys, you're the best. I've said it before. I mean it. You are amazing. You keep me going. You're so inspiring. Thank you for all your emails and letters. I love you. This is absolutely doable. It's all figureoutable. You can make this happen. This is something that you want. It's put there inside of you for a reason. The clarity and the confidence is going to follow the action. And the more you keep going, the more incredible opportunities are going to sprout. And you're going to see, you're going to see that what you seek is seeking you. Thank you again for supporting us. Please share the show. Please let your friends know about it. If you're listening to this on your iPhone, you can go down to the bottom right. There's three dots. You can click on that. And then it gives you the option to text the show. You can send the show over email. You can send the show over Facebook Messenger. But please go ahead and share the show. And if you haven't already, please leave us a review. It really helps us more than you can know. I love you. I'll be back here on Thursday to share some of your wins and answer some of your questions. Until then, keep your head up. You're not alone. We're all going through stuff. People are struggling with anxiety. People are feeling overwhelmed. And you're one of the brave souls who's really looking at what's happening and being conscious about choosing the life you really want and making this happen. And it takes courage and I'm so proud of you. And I'll leave you with a song of mine and I'll talk to you guys on Thursday. The podcast is a production of Authentic. For more info on advertising in this show, visit AuthenticShows.com. Everybody's got a little something. Everybody's got a little care. Everybody